Hello guys, it is Wednesday, September 25th. I have an awesome guest on the podcast today, Catherine Rudder. She's a podcast host just like me. She's the host of the Life in the Fast Chain by R3. So this episode is also pretty cool because we go into a lot of detail on R3 Corda um, and she kind of gives us the inside scoop on R3 and their history and what they're doing now, the projects they're working on. And we also talk about Uh, The podcast also, uh, Life in the Fast Chain, which is also awesome and fast growing, and I highly recommend you guys check it out. As always, be sure to subscribe if you haven't already, and share this episode with someone that you think would like to learn more about Bitcoin, crypto, blockchain, anything in this industry. All right, guys, enjoy. This is the Blockhash Podcast. Hello, Catherine. How you doing? Hey, Brandon. I'm good. How are you? I am awesome. Hope your Thursday is going well, that your week's going well. It is. It's been a little crazy this week, but I feel like I say that all the time, so I need to stop saying it because my mom is going to be like, can you please stop? (laughs) You're working too hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good problem to have though, I guess. Yeah, sure. That's a good problem to have. And I did promise you that you could come on the podcast. I believe that we had that on the record multiple times. I think you made sure that was on the record multiple times. I think I made you say it at least four times, but I can go back and fact check. Exactly. I I don't think fact check is necessary, but (laughs) (laughs) yet here we are. So Catherine, since most people will probably recognize you from life in the fast chain, but they might not know much about your past. So Instead of having to go stalk you too much, why don't you tell us a little (laughs) bit about your backstory and kind of how you got to where you are now? Yeah, great. Um, I think it's funny, and I said this before we started recording, but it's it's funny me having to talk about myself instead of asking the question. So I'm going to try my best. <laughs> um, but so I came to my story is actually a little unique. Um, I went to school at uh, the College of the Holy Cross in Massachusetts. It's a small, small liberal arts school. Um, And I was an English major, creative writing concentration, loved that. Of course, so many people would be like, oh, do you want to be a teacher? Like as if I couldn't be an English major and want to do other things. (laughs) But um, so I did not. But liberal arts education was amazing. Um, However, I didn't have like a marketing major, which was something I was super um, interested in. Um, But when I was there, I was on the lacrosse team. uh, And I can't say I I played much, but it was D1 lacrosse. Sorry, did you get to play? I mean, I did at times, but I I was on the bench more than I was on the field, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I used so, to always say my coach loved me <laughs> as a person, but uh, not so much as a player. <laughs> oh, ooh. <laughs> oh, but it, okay. They're D1 for lacrosse. That's cool. Yeah, it's interesting because people don't really know that because it's such a small school. So it's either you you really know it and you know a lot about it because you have family or whatever, or you have absolutely no idea what it is. So, right. um, but, it, but they are D1. They're in the Patriot league. So that was fun. Oh, yeah, that's it, cool. I, I also went to a small liberal arts college too in California. So I kind of, hey. I kind of know that feeling where you're playing, like I was playing uh, division three football. Um, but like we had sports teams that were like division one. Um, and then they're oh, totally. so like, our tennis teams were really good. Our, Water polo teams and swim teams are very, very good. Um, our rugby team is 
like like three four years in a row was like one of the best teams in the country uh oh, wow. like kicking usc's ass and <laughs> um <laughs> Love competing it. against all these big schools so yeah i mean it's it's kind of weird um how some of these small colleges work you get like you play in some of the smaller leagues and then depending on like what sport it is or what event or what club you're playing in like the upper the upper leagues with the the big boys and girls and it's interesting <laughs> No, totally. And I also think just like the um, small school, liberal arts school, there's such like a community around that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I loved it. Yeah, so, yeah it, was, it was fun. Well, I was lucky enough that we were in a consortium of five different colleges. <laughs> so it felt like... I didn't know that about there. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just So it, about. we are the Claremont College Consortium. So we are okay. a combination of five um, undergrad colleges, uh, Pitzer College, Pomona College, Harvey Mudd, Scripps, and Claremont McKenna. And maybe I did know that. That sounds familiar, but I don't think I. I don't think I. Did. Yeah, some of those schools are um, a lot older than Pitzer, <laughs> and definitely are <laughs> probably familiar. But they were all kind of small schools, but all put together, um, they all kind of share the same resources. It feels like a really big university still. So it's a really interesting experience. Oh, that's so cool. That's such an interesting mix. Yeah, and it's in California, so like you can't beat that. Experiences. <laughs> um, so for um, school, I uh, obviously I wanted to get into kind of marketing, um, and I was on the lacrosse team, but I also did uh, – I had a three-year internship for our um, athletic relations, so marketing stuff for all of Holy Cross athletics. Um, it's kind of embarrassing now that I look back on it because I was doing like sideline kind of reporting mm-hmm. and, and now I have life in the fast chain and that's hopefully taking over uh, Google. But for a while it was just me like standing on a sideline or like in front of a green screen, like what's up crusaders. I'm Catherine Rutter. <laughs> so it's pretty funny for a while at like parties. I would have my, my friends oh come up to me like, what's up crusaders. I'm like, damn it. Did you report on your parties too? <laughs> Oh yeah, it would. I mean, after a point, I would. I would definitely pull out the the beer microphone. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was very fun. But so I had that internship for three years, and that took up a lot of my time on top of lacrosse and then um, schoolwork. Uh, and then by my senior year, I wanted to have another internship to get more experience. Uh, so at school, I went and I interned for an ABC News affiliate um, in Providence. So I drove to Providence and that was a great experience because um, I wanted to get more kind of marketing. And I kind of thought that I would go into TV. Um, but in between my junior and senior year, there was this really, really small company that was trying to figure out kind of like what they were. Um, and that would be R3 at the time called R3CEV. So Cryptos Exchanges Ventures. And I could get in trouble for saying this, but I think we didn't really know exactly what we wanted to be at the time. Everyone was just trying to learn. Um and I think that's probably consistent with a lot of um, people in the space. So what year was this? So this was 2015. 
And so I interned in the summer. And intern is a funny word to use for my experience, <laughs> considering I basically was just doing what everyone had said. So there were, I think, five like official employees of R3 at the time. And then myself and Sarah Lynch, who is actually uh, working here as well to today. Um, she's on the partner team. But so Sarah Lynch and I basically were just doing anything we could to help these very senior guys kind of build this company. So we had, uh, <laughs> we would be doing things like one moment we're setting up the phone lines. The next moment we're running out to Home Depot to get a curtain to cover this little room that we were in uh, from the bathroom because the bathroom was right there. And so my solution was to hang a shower curtain <laughs> so we couldn't see it. <laughs> and like small things like that. I, at one point, uh, pretty early on, we were painting the walls in this conference room and I say conference room because we were in a windowless, airless conference room in Enzo, a company here in New York, um, who our CEO, David Rutter, is on the board or was on the board of or something. He was involved somehow. And so they were like, OK, we'll do you a solid. You're, you're a scrappy company of five, five senior people and two interns who have no idea what they're doing. Uh, we'll let you stay in our, our space for a little because we don't need this conference room. So anyways, uh, that was an amazing experience. Just we were working so closely as as interns to these super senior people. And Todd McDonald is actually now he is uh, technically my mm -hmm. boss um, again. So that's kind of fun. And he's one of the co-founders of the company. But it was it was just such a great experience. What we learned from them while we're like painting the walls and hanging shower curtains and running like setting up our sales force, uh, our website, our social media, everything. Um, so that was an amazing experience. Then I went back to senior year and I was like, that was cool, but I want to do marketing. And at the time, I wanted to kind of get into television. So that's why I took up this um internship at ABC News, uh, an affiliate, ABC WLNE. So that was great. And then I'm looking for a job after school. And at the time, R3 was about, um, within the time I was at school, we grew to about, I think, 50 employees. So we had people, and then we had a, a office in London where Richard Gendel Brown, our CTO, he was brought on. We had Mike Hearn, who was very heavily involved in um, Bitcoin years and years ago, um, who is, it's, he's very, it's very funny talking to him and, and being able to, to learn so much from him because he's like a little famous mm -hmm. in this space. <laughs> So it's kind of cool having having him around, but I digress. So I came back um, kind of hesit hesitant, not that I didn't uh, believe in what everyone was doing, everyone was working so hard at, um, but I, I didn't fully understand what the goal was. So at this point, we had dropped, R3 had dropped the CEV. We were focusing all on blockchain. They're like, okay, we, instead of just advising people on blockchain, which was kind of what they were first starting to explore, they pivoted and Richard Gendel Brown, our CTO, came in and said, we need to build a blockchain for the ground up. And it, it, it started with banks. And I, um, I want to highlight the fact that it started with banks, but it has kind of 
completely gone past mm-hmm. just banks. And we can talk a little bit about Corda and the ecosystem at R3 a little bit later. But um, so anyways, the company, I'm totally <laughs> babbling, but the company was, <laughs> I'm like, should I take a breath? Yeah. Um, the company that was growing, <laughs> I'm getting to why I'm here. I promise I'll answer your question. <laughs> it was growing and, and it, it was so cool, but I wanted to be, like in TV and in marketing. And so I was looking at jobs uh, anywhere, but but here in in media and in marketing. Um, and I, I did get a, a job in, um, I'm not even going to say the town, because what if someone's from the town? They're like, hey, that's a great place. But I did get a job and I all a lot of my friends were coming to New York or going to Boston and going to these big cities. And I would have been in a in a very small place that I didn't know anyone, which I would be okay. Um, However, it, it is so political in that Mm -hmm. space, I would say. And I work really hard every day here at R3, but um, I get massive rewards for that. And I just didn't feel that um, my hard work would be appreciated. And, and for many reasons, I, I didn't take it, but I still needed a job. <laughs> At one point, I'm pretty sure my parents were like, okay, so you need to get a job or like, like you can't be in our house anymore <laughs> if you don't have an income. And I was like, fair. So uh, I did, I, I knew that there were some holes at R3 that, that I could, could fix and kind of um, fill and I still was thinking that I would come here, have have an income, and then I would go on my merry way to whatever place I wanted to, to work at next. And then so I, I pitched it to at the time hiring was so funny because we were a total startup and I, I pitched it to a few people on why they needed me. And then uh, I was starting on, on Monday. So I now it is not <laughs> like that. <laughs> we had so many so many applications for jobs and and it's so crazy how much our hr is is um and recruiting has changed but um yeah at the time i was like all right uh knock knock this is what you need and i kind of pitched pitched the whole social presence me being a millennial knowing the best of this and that uh on for websites and social media and all that stuff so uh, I still was not fully convinced that Arthur was going to be the place for me. And I was like, what is up with everyone? I would come into to work and I'd be like, why is everyone like ch- like freaking out? Like people would be like, we're changing the world. <laughs> like, Okay, these people are like drinking the Kool-Aid. And I was just so not bought in. But I didn't fully understand what we were doing. And, and that was the, the problem. And so I say that because now I am literally like, bury me at this company. I am never leaving. I can't believe I even thought about leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and so this whole thing like come totally f- full circle to the point where I'm like, I can't believe I... Um, almost resisted something that's been such a, a positive thing in my life. So that's how I got to R3 and my role has, has changed a little bit, but I've, I've stayed in marketing. I've in my time here. So now it's, it's three years now. Um, I have consistently maintained R3.com now have taken on Corda.net as well, which are our two main marketing websites. Um, I have a little bit of help from the team on that now because 
they're, they're such big websites. Um, and I control all of our social media. So, um, our LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, and I'm the host of our podcast, Life in the Fast Chain. That was a very long-winded answer, but uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot totally. of color there. Well, looks like now you're here. drinking the Kool-Aid too. <laughs> oh my God. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid 100%. I'm like, I, it's like a, a switch was flipped and then I was like, yeah, I'm going to work here it, forever. It's cool to learn about <laughs> humble beginnings with like a startup um, especially in the blockchain space, and then see where they are now from where they came from. So, I mean, that it's a great little like inside look into R3's past a little bit. Yeah, it's different too than like mm-hmm. a story that I think sometimes it, we it seems like we have had a, a people being like, oh, R3 backed by the big <laughs> bad banks and this and that. And it's actually so inspiring watching because I really was there from the start in, in some way, uh, watching the way the company's grown and the dedication and the love for the R3 community. It's It's been like so, so inspiring and amazing to watch. But yeah, it's it's cool. It's cool being a part of it from the beginning. Yeah, and that definitely creates much more of an attachment to the company and a love for it. And um, totally with the community that you guys have there too. I bet you guys are very, very close and do a lot together anyways. Yeah, yeah, we do. And um, I think that's one of the cool things about the culture. It's very funny. So we'll have people walk into the office, <laughs> like our, our sales people or this or that, and they're wearing full suits. And then the devs come in and they're wearing sweatshirts. And then like the marketing team comes in, I'm wearing like a flowery dress. Like Ed, there's just, it, there's so many different characters here. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's, it's really cool. But because everyone gets Along, I mean, I think unless there's company drama, I don't know about. <laughs> but it seems that like there are so many different people, especially in our London office, is so diverse. Just, I mean, because you're in London, you can get people from all over, um, not just here in New York. We definitely have diverse people, but obviously most Ameri- most Americans. What's the benefit of having the an office in London? So our CTO is there, Richard Gendel Brown, and he. Mm-hmm. Um, when we he was first building out the team to build Corda from the ground up, he essentially was like, "This is such a big undertaking. Like, I need the team here." So the London office actually has has pretty much all of our devs. Um, a f- recently, we had a press release go out and, and news about the fact that we we're going to open a office in um, Dublin four devs. Um, so that'll be like kind of another developer hub, but it was always, it kind of started off because Richard Gendel Brown was in London and, and he's obviously such a, such a big asset. We were like, well, he's building Corda, like he gets what he wants. (laughs) Yeah. Makes sense. You'd want something a little bit closer. Yeah. And now it's obviously grown past just developers over there. We have, uh, our office over there. I'm probably going to get in trouble if I get the numbers wrong, but I'm going to guess anyways, it's gotta be (laughs) It's got to be like at least like 120 of our employees are over there. And we have over like 220 worldwide. So we also have an office in um, Sao Paulo. So we're in Brazil. We have a few people in Canada. We have uh, a few people in India uh, office in we have another office. (laughs) 
<laughs> in Singapore, a big or a bigger office in Singapore. Our main offices are London, Singapore, and uh, New York, though. So it is pretty crazy how many people are in the London office, and they're expanding uh, the dev team and R three cool. in general very quickly. Which ones have you? Which ones have you been to? Offices. So mm-hmm. I've only been to. Um, New York and London, but I have mm-hmm. been frequently between between the two. I would like to. I, I actually wanted to go down to the Sao Paulo um, office before I kind of realized that it's a little dangerous down there. I think, <laughs> but we have a lot of really good clients down there. <laughs> but I think like my like blonde talkative, uh, I don't know personality. I would be talking to like a. I, I don't know. I would put myself in an unsafe situation for sure. Yeah. I mean, Sao Paulo is kind of cool. I mean, they, as a country, uh, Brazil is just kind of going through some, some issues still. Um, yeah, so totally. it, it's all, just, you just got to be smart. I, mean, I personally love Latin America in general. Yeah, I'm so jealous of your experience. You talked a little bit about this on life in the fast chain. I mm-hmm. haven't been anywhere down there at all. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, Brazil, obviously, they speak Portuguese there, so they they hate being compared that speak Spanish. <laughs> no, but they're still great people, and they have amazing food and amazing attractions and places you can go and visit. I went to Florianopolis, Brazil, which is a bit farther south. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very very cool. Went during the wrong time of the year when it was cold. <laughs> you got to go during the summer. Forgot that the seasons are pretty much flipped down yeah. there. Same thing with. Um, Buenos Aires and Argentina. Love Argentina. Beautiful country. Again, they're going through a lot of issues as well. Um, so you just got to have your your head up the whole time, kind of looking around. Yeah. Uh, you got to be smart. Totally. But some like great places to go for sure. Definitely like Chile, um, which I'm trying to go because I haven't been yet, into Santiago. And then I've been to Colombia a couple of times. Love Colombia. Wow. It's such a great place. Super safe, gorgeous. People are nice. Panama. Panama's awesome. They're not really Latin America, but Panama's still pretty cool. The party doesn't ever stop in Panama. <laughs> <laughs> I need to add these to my list because I've traveled because of being in London for work and I have some family over there. Like I, I've been to London a lot. I've been to a lot of places in Europe. Um, but I've, I really have to check this off these off my list because I would love to go to all the places you're saying. Even Argentina, I would really like to go to. That's on my list. Yeah, I'd love to give you recommendations if you ever make it down that way. It's just such a long flight. I know because I don't think of it being so long, but it it is long. It takes so long to get down there from from New York. How long does it take from where you are? So I had to fly into Panama because Panama is kind of like the international gateway between North and South America. Gotcha. Um, so. I'd fly from from Vegas. It's about six and a half hours to fly to Panama City. And then from there, I could fly all the way down to Buenos Aires, which is like seven and a half hours. Oh, goodness. So it's in my layover was like an hour. (laughs) (laughs) So I got like a solid 14 hours almost straight in the air. So it's 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 tough one. You got to get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. The first time you do it, you're going to hate it. (laughs) You're really going to hate it. But after you do it a couple of times, you get used to it. Yeah. I'm not a good plane sleeper. I think I'm so jealous of people who can like get comfortable on planes and, and sleep. We went to for uh, one of our conferences last – was it last year? Uh, yeah, it was a 
year ago in, in March, so a year and a half, whatever, um, in Tokyo mm-hmm. and uh, Japan was such a cool experience for for me, but I couldn't sleep on the flights and I had to work when I was there. So I was so tired, but it was beautiful and it was an amazing experience. I'm absolutely not complaining, but I'm not a good plane sleeper. Well, that was a cool experience though. Have you been to Asia? I have not been to Asia, but I'd love to go to Asia. Oh, see, we're flip-flopping. So now I can tell you where I've been. I've, I mean, it's not like I've been many places in Asia. I've literally only been to China and Japan. <laughs> China? Where in China have you been? I was in Beijing. I actually um, went for – do you know what Operation Smile is? Um, it sounds very happy, but I'm not really <laughs> sure <what> that is. <laughs> no, it's it's – well, yes, it's for, for smiles. But basically it's just a um, – I went on like a mission trip to a very rural city like it's like a two-hour flight from Beijing um and that was a crazy experience in in itself um but it's basically for um people who can't afford cleft lip and cleft palate surgery this isn't even Mm -hmm. an ad for them I need to get more involved with uh them now that I'm like a full-grown adult I was doing this when I was in in high school and so we spent a, a bit of time in China um in Beijing uh, and I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I think That's it was cool, there for charity. So there was like, um, not so much of like the fun stuff I could do. So if I went back, I would probably want to like, I would have all my spots that I would have to hit. Um, but I did like Japan a lot, just c- the culture. There were some like funky cultural things there, but, um, I really liked the bowing. When I came home from from Tokyo, I would be talking to people and I would say, oh, thank you. And I would bow because I was used to doing it. I was so scared that I was going to mess it up in, in Tokyo and come off as a rude American. So I probably over bowed. But when I came home, I couldn't stop. Yeah. I kind of had a similar experience, not with the bowing part, but went to um, when I was on my uh, – Argentina trip and I came back. So I was gone for a couple of weeks. I come back and I mm-hmm. land in Vegas and um, I was going through customs and the guy was asking if you could like check my bag. And I was, uh, <laughs> I was saying something in Spanish that I can't even remember now. Cause I was just, it, you like pick it up when you're, <laughs> it's like one of those things that as an American, when you go down there, you like all of a sudden start picking up a little bit of it, whether you've like studied it or not. And then even totally. if, if you have studied it, then it all comes back to you. And then as soon as you get back to America, you're still thinking in Spanish a little bit. Oh, no, totally. I literally had that experience recently. I was at a dinner. And so I, I went to um, Paris recently. And I love Paris. I love France. Um, but I went to dinner and I was asking for the check. And I, I was like, l'édition s'il vous plaît? And I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I'm in like a, like a bistro. They're probably like this freak has been talking in English. It's like I don't even know much. For, I studied Spanish and I know <laughs> Spanish, um, but I don't know much in French. So I, it's, it came out of my mouth and I was like, I sound like such a tool. <laughs> I really like to go to actually um, Singapore. Oh, me too. Me too. We have a, a fairly big office there. I would love to go there. I feel like everyone nowadays has a big office in Singapore. Like I really need to see like what's up. So, I mean, everyone's telling me I need to go there and just, it seems like such a hub for, for uh, business and uh, totally. connecting with people and 
just culture wise, it seems very fun and interesting. So yeah, it's another place I just got to go to at some point. Got to travel. Millennials love to travel. We're proving that right now. (laughs) Yep, we are. (laughs) Let's pivot all the way back to our three here. How did the podcast get started? How did Life in the Fast Chain come into fruition? How did it happen? Yes. So I, um, as I mentioned in my literal soliloquy before, I um, did uh, video stuff for our um, Mark, our athletics relations um, team. And I wasn't just on camera. I also learned how to edit all of that stuff. So I would do, we would record it and then I would go back into the office and then I would edit all the videos on um, Premiere Pro, which is Adobe software. So then when I went to my internship at uh, ABC, the ABC News affiliate, I kind of brought that into, so I was editing clips for their segments and stuff that um, was really cool because it's just like right away you get the gratification of seeing something that you edited and on on the screen and you know like hundreds and thousands of people are watching it so that was very cool and so I learned that pretty quickly um and then when I was at R3 there there was always like oh like let's let's do a podcast we have to do a podcast and everyone was saying it but because of my experience with just editing and pre-prod, post-prod stuff, production stuff, I knew it was going to take a lot of effort. And I don't think, I didn't think at the time that all those who wanted to create um, a podcast really understood that. So I, uh, but this was fairly early and I was pretty, and it's hard to believe now, but I was pretty like timid <laughs> at the time uh-huh. <laughs> about this stuff. So I, uh, I wasn't really saying anything and I was just waiting for people to kind of realize that it was going to be a big lift. And then someone brought it up in a meeting again. And at the time we didn't even have a marketing function. It was just myself and my coworker, Chase Gordon, who um, does a lot of our design stuff too here. Um, and now he does some, and he does PR, but we were kind of just maintaining everything. It wasn't, we weren't, we weren't, we didn't have any strategy behind what we were doing other than the fact that we were maintaining the brand. And so I was maintaining the websites and the social media and doing a bunch of other stuff um, with our like marketing automation tools and whatnot. And then he was doing a lot of PR um, brand stuff. And I was in a meeting with him and then our boss at the time, Charlie Cooper, who still is here. He works for external affairs um, and he still does PR stuff. But uh, at the time, someone brought it up and we were in a meeting and uh, Charlie, I was like, you know, I have editing skills. Like if someone wants to be the host or if someone wants to to do a podcast, like I will totally support. And he kind of turned to me and he was like, well, why would you do all the work and like why wouldn't you just be the host? Like you, you like to talk. (laughs) (laughs) I guess like we'll try it out. Um, So that's kind of how it started because I was just going to support uh, the cause. And then it, it kind of took on a life of its own, which has been amazing. But I was so nervous at first when I first started recording these episodes because I, I, my first guest was Mike Hearn, who helped, like was involved in Bitcoin so early on. My second mm-hmm. guest was Colin Platt from um, Blockchain Insider from 11FS, and he was he specializes specializes in derivatives. I was like, 
I am so over my head right now. <laughs> and I was so stressed about it at first, but um, I kind of just realized I didn't want to sound like dumb because I know what I'm talking about. I know the benefits of blockchain. I know the benefits of Corda. That's my whole job is kind of showing the benefits of what we are doing as a company. Um, and that's kind of all that that matters. I know the space. I just was so intimidated by having super, super smart people on the podcast, which is still intimidating. Um, but that was like my main hurdle at first when I first started it to the point where I was almost like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this and having a mini panic attack. But but here we are. So I, d- I did not give up, but that's how it kind of started and is continuing continuing on. Yeah, I kind of had a similar like experience like starting um, my podcast. Um, it's it's one of those things where it's not quite like a phone call because it, it's so much of like an interview. Like I, to like really get into like the flow of things, I had to bring on like my friends as guests. Um, some of my friends that were knowledgeable about blockchain as much as I were, and I was just like, "Well, screw it, let's just." talk (laughs) like whatever direction it goes let's just kind of talk about whatever and that kind of helped me get an idea of how um to either interview someone or just have a conversation on a podcast and get a feel for like like what the flow should be like what the format should be so i think that's like the trickiest thing if you've never done it before because it's you're not like interviewing something like a reporter yeah i'm not like Catherine. what did you eat this morning (laughs) Was it spicy? Like no one, no one cares. Yeah. No, totally. I think it's it's so interesting that we had like a similar experience because it's not the same. Like you kind of, especially with podcasts, you let the conversation go where it goes. No, it's pretty cool. Exactly, and I, I, I think I think for the most part, I, I try and do that. I just let them talk as much as possible um, because I mean that's kind of why they're tuning in. They're tuning into that episode to hear from that person. So yeah, letting letting. Catherine run on and talk about whatever <laughs> is a good thing. So <laughs> no, totally. I, I think also uh, just speaking on like the trials and tribulations of podcasting, but I really, when in this space, the people that are, that we're so fortunate to work amongst or, or know of, they're so smart and they really know what they're mm-hmm. talking about. So me being nervous about me sounding silly, well, that's, stupid like we want the person the smart person to talk and and your job is just to to let them talk and share their knowledge so um i think i put way too much pressure on myself at first uh but it's it's just different and and fun and that's the point of podcast you kind of want to be like a fly on the wall absolutely you also learn a lot too like oh my gosh I, yes my, like i'm pretty knowledgeable on like blockchain whatever but i mean i've had some like really cool guests on a number of times and I just see, feel myself like leaning back, drinking my tea, like just listening and learning. I'm like, geez, I'm back in college again. <laughs> this is like a lecture. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> I know. I know. It, it's so crazy how um, I think I know so much about, about the space and this and that. But when you have people on just even their experiences um, from learning about the technology and everything uh, and 
I don't know. I just learned so much. It's totally, it's like going to school all over again. That's why I'm always like, hey guys, to my friends who do not care about blockchain. I'm like, guys, so um, just a heads up, uh, you don't have to listen, but I had a really good guest on and they're like, okay, got it. Thanks. Like no one listens, <laughs> but you're going to learn something. They, I think they do eventually. I think they see it enough and then they're like, okay, let's listen to Catherine's thing. Let's come on guys. <laughs> I know. I mean, I hope. <laughs> Fingers crossed. What What are some cool things that you've learned um, from like some of your guests? Because you guys have had some pretty cool ones come on as well. And I'm sure you've learned a ton, but like, is there anything like interesting that like that you learned that you didn't like know previously? I I'm, I have learned so much. Um, <laughs> this is such a good question because, I mean, I could I could probably talk for hours about all the stuff that I've. I've I'm sure learned, you could. But- You're like, please don't. (laughs) Um, But I guess uh, just one of the main, I guess it's like a theme. So this is kind of cheating and not fully answering, but a theme that I've kind of appreciated more now that we have the podcast is just the convergence of all these technologies and learning about what blockchain can enable for AI or IoT and Mm -hmm. uh, vice versa. So a few episodes that were pretty interesting for me would be more recently uh, we had Ripe um, on the podcast and they basically are um, using blockchain and AI devices to track they have many different use cases but um, to track tomatoes for sweet green and uh, so like basically from like when they're planted and then on, in transit and then when they finally get to, to sweet green they're also working with the dairy farmers of America um, but so you basically can extend the the life cycle of the tomato so they they don't go bad as quickly and then kind of further from that one thing I kind of I never I just never would have thought of some things and I think that's the bigger thing I know that blockchain can enable and uh and and I don't know it can enable other technologies and can enable all these other things to happen but it's the things you don't think about so the next step for that was uh Raja Ramachandran was the one who was on the podcast and he was talking about let's not just talk about tomatoes but let's talk about getting your your fridge uh like an artificial intelligence fridge on blockchain and Mm -hmm. so it can of alert you to when things are going bad and you can kind of place things in different areas of the fridge based on what it is and it can extend to your food so then you save money like that was just a cool example because i wouldn't have ever thought of like tomatoes going to like an actual fridge (laughs) and then uh, kind of along that theme Mike Kern is so amazing and I've learned so much and he tells really good anecdotes about kind of being involved in, in Bitcoin very uh, early on. And I think this is just a side note. I think it's very funny because he used to email um, Satoshi. And so he has all these emails from Satoshi from like years and years ago. That's just a side comment, but he has really cool stories about, um, I guess another, he talked about one time, this is another thing I learned about, and it's more of ideas of what's to come in the future. It's not um, anything super concrete yet, but he just talked about locks and your locks being kind of logged on a blockchain and what you could do with that. So like, let's say um, your house locks, whatever. So if that's on a, I'm going to totally butcher this. I really hope he does. (laughs) 
like doesn't like listen to me mess it all up. But if it's on a, a your locks are on a blockchain and you have a house um, and you have a mortgage and you haven't paid your mortgage, um, it can kind of it knows that you haven't paid your mortgage yet, and then the house can actually physically lock you out of the house, for example, and just things like that where. Yeah, like that makes sense. I could maybe come to that at some point, but it's a use case I just I don't think about. Yeah, there's there's all kinds of implementations um, once you really start thinking about it. I mean, especially with AI and blockchain and VR and all the things you oh, can do yeah. with them. Like it'd be really cool to have a fridge that is never empty because I always clear out my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be nice to always come back and have the same amount of cheese in the fridge the same amount of beer in the fridge like nothing changed like that would be that would be great and then just like have amazon deliver it to my door that'd be fantastic like i'm down for that that. as long as the fridge isn't like spying on me like watching me eat the cheese like (laughs) (laughs) late night you come home and you're just eating shredded cheese yes and then blackmail me if i don't order more food like that's that's what I worry about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's scary. Some of this stuff, it, it fascinates me what the future will hold. Obviously, I'm in a very forward-thinking company, and it's great. But, it, like, I'm also super scared of, of what's to come. Like, I'm not one of those people who are like, unplug your Alexas, and, like, they, everyone's listening to you. Because, to be honest, my Alexa is hearing nothing important or mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, but other things do kind of freak me out about the future. Yeah. You know, that's actually something I tell people all the time. It's technology is not a bad thing. And I mean, people have always been scared of what technology is going to do, but it usually always works out because we learn best practices with our technology. Yeah. Um, Like people were afraid of being electrocuted by wires when they were flying, uh, being uh, flying, being hung up across the US, <laughs> like telephone telephone lines. They were yeah. afraid that we were going to electrocute everybody. But in reality, like it's, you forget they're even there today. Um, yeah. And the same thing with plenty of other technologies and like Alexa, for example, or Google Home, uh, which, which I have as well. It's if you're going to have a private conversation somewhere, are you going to have it in the kitchen with your Alexas or are you going to just step outside for that? Like there's like little things you can do because I mean, having one in your house definitely gives you a lot of, um, it gives you the ability to make your life more efficient, uh, to get things yeah. done, to get access to information very quickly, to consume information in audio form like this podcast. Totally. But like if you're worried about someone knowing what kind of cheese you want to buy today at the store, um, then maybe you step out of the kitchen. Like I, I like the privacy solution is like 10 steps away or you could. Yeah. So, I mean, and then like with your phone and like being worried, the NSA is watching you just turn your phone upside down or just leave your phone somewhere else. Like you don't have to hold on to your phone all the time. So <laughs> I, I think yeah. like simple solutions for like the things that we fear with technology a little bit. So I try and tell people all the time, like just take some like precautions. Don't, you don't need to worry about it all the time. Like throw a pillow over your Alexa or blanket or something. Like if you're super paranoid, <laughs> but like you don't need to not have it. You should definitely have it at some point. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the way – so it can be whatever. The future can be scary. But, like, when has it not been? I mean, that could be a silly comment. But even – I mean, the internet, I'm sure when the internet was first, like, really – 
becoming more well my my whoa I just said like eight different versions of what I actually wanted to say but more widespread was the word I was looking for um (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there was hesitation with that. And like, same thing with flying. People wouldn't fly. And I mean, obviously there's dangers coming with flying, but, but think about how many flights take off in a day I'm having when I'm in um, London for work, I'm going to be there for end of September, all of October. Mm -hmm. And I'm having uh, six of my friends come visit me at at one point. And uh, they are all taking different flights at around the same time. I'm like, how many flights are there from New York to London? And like, they're all land around the same time. So uh, anyways, people were always scared of the future and technology and all of this stuff. But one of the main things, I'm such a, I'm like that person in a bar where someone says blockchain or Bitcoin or cryptos or something. And I turn to them like, oh, um, I actually work at a blockchain company. I'm Catherine. And then I start talking their ear (laughs) off and they're like, why did I ever even say this? Um, But I always say to my friends, it's like like the way credit cards change the way you pay for things. It's Mm -hmm. only going to, I mean, it's going to massively uh, improve our lives in ways and and create so many efficiencies, like you were saying with with the cheese. And the plane, you know what? Planes are interesting. I've had a lot of interesting experiences with blockchain and planes lately. Talking about planes, it's interesting. And and they're actually not my next guest um, coming out on the podcast, but the one after that, we had these um, guys in our office who are young. They're still in college. They entered this, um, we have an entrepreneur in residence program here. And they entered this program with this idea about like logging plane parts um, on a blockchain. And because mm-hmm. these two students, their uh, company, they've now built this company called Aerotrax. And um, it's pretty interesting. They're at Villanova and they um, spent the whole summer kind of building up this this use case and why it's important and all that stuff. So it's kind of funny. It all is connected. Yeah, what they really need to do though is they need to consolidate all their seating to a blockchain because right now you can buy seats like on it on multiple different sites and they're constantly like Such overselling they're constantly overselling their flights like when I was flying to Hawaii I had that same issue because I couldn't get my seat until I got to my gate and then they never got to the gate and let you get your seat until like 20 minutes before the flight so there's like this long line of people waiting to get an assigned seat and if you were in the very back of the line well you were screwed because there were like oh two, three God. people like over books. And I'm like, this would never happen if it was like on a blockchain. If it was on a blockchain, you'd be able to accurately know that all the seats have been booked on any of these sites. Everything would be able to come to consensus. It's a really good example of a yeah. real world issue uh, that could be solved with blockchain. It could make things a lot cheaper. It could make flights um, more efficient. And then things would be faster. You'd be able to get on more flights. It'd be totally. much more organized. It's yeah, it annoys me. Well, they me. wouldn't lose money. They wouldn't lose money too on like overbooking flights and then being like, right. oh, well, if you stay an extra night, then we'll give you this many points or whatever. Like, yep. and then yeah, they won't be in the yep, point. they won't be in the news dragging people off flights and having all these bad <laughs> PR yeah. events. And it's only good. It's only good. Since we're already kind of talking about all the things we like between cheese and blockchain. What what do, you, what do you find most interesting about crypto in the blockchain space? 
What I well, what I actually find most interesting about crypto <laughs> this is not going to be a great answer, but it's just it from my perspective, from being on marketing, I'm in I'm in the Twitter world. I'm constantly reading things about R3, about um, Ethereum, about Bitcoin, about XRP, about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just find the trolls to be so interesting. I know that's an unconventional <laughs> answer. And you were waiting for me to say like something about like, oh, the prices and Bitcoin's over 10,000 or whatever. <laughs> but uh, but I do think it's so funny, this like community of crypto trolls. This is a very marketing answer of me, by the way. No, no, I, it's not <laughs> a bad answer. I mean, if you kind of look at it, like there's a community of trolls online, <laughs> really created yeah. by the internet. And I remember seeing a lot of this stuff really begin to pop up on the Xbox 360 when I was younger, because um, that's when like <laughs> online gaming, like on a console really took off. Um, and you'd be yeah. playing like either Battlefield or Call of Duty or Halo or whatever, and you're on... I don't know if you ever really played video games or anything, but I didn't. But I had three brothers, so they pro- they're probably <laughs> well aware. Like, grow up in middle school and high school, and you get these people that come on to these chat rooms, and they're just trolling the whole thing. Like, they're just they're they're doing voices. They're trying to piss you off. Like, <laughs> it, it's just awful. Like, they're there. They're not there to like compete. They're not there to like play. They're there to just like screw around. Those were some totally. early internet trolls for sure, um, especially in gaming. <laughs> and for whatever reason, that has really crept over to to blockchain um, and a lot of these platforms. I, I don't know. They just thrive in that environment. It's interesting. Yeah, totally. And I mean, there's obviously so many more interesting things than that, but it's pretty consistent with my job and what I have to be doing because I'm constantly like looking for news, news in the in the blockchain and crypto space. And they're so interconnected, obviously, uh, because blockchain wouldn't exist without without these uh, cryptos. But but uh yeah, I just find it so funny just constantly seeing this. The other day I was um, in a meeting and I got like a little distracted because of a literal fight on Twitter that like 20 <laughs> people were chiming in on. I was like, this is better than The Bachelor. This is so interesting to me. Uh, so <laughs> a pretty non-traditional answer. but Yeah, I, I try not to... <laughs> engage in too many long form conversations on Twitter because they can go on forever and they get wild. So wild. (laughs) Yeah. And they're relentless. Like everyone wants to one up each other on Twitter and it just, it doesn't stop. Like it's, it'll suck suck your life away. People don't back down. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, obviously the space is, uh, is super interesting. The one thing is that my me being in New York, there are a lot more like you can't trade on you can't have a bunch of different cryptos that you could probably obviously elsewhere in the world. So it's pretty limiting. Um, so that's kind of interesting and kind of on that note too, the way that uh, regulators are getting involved in the space is I'm getting into a more serious answer, but it's it's crazy because they really have to kind of catch up and and how do you even deal with with blockchain and cryptos from that perspective? I don't know. That's an interesting thing for me. 
Yeah, very, very true. Have you ever bought any Bitcoin or any crypto? Have you like dabbled in it or do you just kind of like yes. watch it? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's one of those things where I don't bet at all, mm-hmm. um, but I can understand why like sports betting is kind of a thing because it makes you so much more invested. And I don't know if I would be as invested if if I didn't have just a little here, a little there. But uh, I do have Bitcoin, Litecoin and Ethereum. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. But not much. I just like kind of watching what happens. And obviously it was super interesting last year when it kept everything just kept rising and rising and rising. Um, not as, not as fun when it, when it started to fall, but <laughs> no, it's, it's not as fall, but the, you know, the trolls definitely come out for sure. So it's, it's still entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. The whole thing's entertaining. Um, but yeah, just a little bit, nothing too crazy. Do you have a preferred source to get your news from? Preferred source. That's a good question. Or do you kind of just like um, Google Bitcoin and see what pops up? I feel like this is a little bit of a lame response, but honestly, Twitter, because you can get so much. I, I'm i really being consistent with my role here at R3, but you can get so much information from so many different sources. So instead of just having like one website that I go to, whether it's Coindesk or this or that, like I it's all there. And so I can kind of dabble and I follow just the news sources I want and kind of pick and yeah, choose. Yeah, it makes sense. Twitter, Twitter's a great place good. to get news. I'm like for a lot of the time I'd Google Bitcoin or I'd Google Ethereum and just kind of see what pops up um, for yeah. like general stuff. But you really can't trust the news nowadays. It's just so like messed, messed oh gosh, up on yeah. so many levels. So I just don't watch the news. I don't watch TV very often. I don't go to Google and look at articles as often unless I'm looking for yeah. something specific. But when you go to tw- the nice thing about Twitter is you can go directly to whoever it is and see what's up. I can go totally. to Vitalik Buterin's Twitter and see what he's talking about, like what he's typing totally. on his phone. Like that's how the best way to get information is directly as much as possible. So, yeah, I agree. And also with some reporters, and I would say, I would hope that it's a little bit, the space is a little bit more pure than like politics these days (laughs) and like the news reported on, on politics. But, um, but if you do have, like, let's say uh, someone writes an article that maybe is polarizing or you don't agree with or whatever, but they say that they're not biased and then you go to their profile and let's say it's on, it's a bad news piece on Ethereum or something. And it's supposed to be a non-biased piece. And then you go to their Twitter profile and they're personally attacking Ethereum Mm -hmm. at any chance they get. You're probably going to reassess how you take that, that news piece. So I think it's just, you can find a way to um, curate your feed. So you get what is most pure at least. Yeah. The meat, the media problems are coming to crypto as well as things get more and more competitive. Um, start, oh, you're totally. starting to see that with a lot of the the blockchain projects like Ethereum, like EOS, like Cardano, like Tron. And some of these guys are more forward than others. And a lot of them are polar opposites to each other. And you'll see them bash one blockchain over another. And um, so, it, yeah, the news yeah. even for... Crypto, um, like whether you're on Coin Telegraph or CoinDesk or whatever, it's sometimes a little skewed and hard to determine what's true or not. 
um, because that competition yeah. is beginning to creep up. So again, I, I always tell people just go directly to the project and make your own decision. Like one project is going to say the other project sucks because they're all competing. At every, yeah. The Cardano project wants everyone on their blockchain. Tron project wants everyone on their blockchain and vice versa. And everyone says Ethereum can't scale and Ethereum says it can't scale. <laughs> um, but it, 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 in the future it will. Um yeah. So, yeah, you gotta go I mean, I think 100%. And I think uh, we've we've dealt with that a little bit at R3 too with kind of false claims where I'm I'm obviously I'm controlling a lot of our accounts and it takes a lot of effort for me not to respond yeah. to things. I never do and I never will from the R3 account. Um, but it's hard when when you're seeing things that are just not like factually not true. And normally that's not the case, I will say. Um, but but it's tough kind of seeing some news where you're like, oh, like I wish that they kind of reached out for a comment or something. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't don't really care about your comment or whatever. But this space is is definitely it's definitely creeping creeping in. What what accounts uh, does R three have? I know you guys got a Instagram and a Twitter. Yeah, I'm ramping up the Instagram a little bit because um, I kind of was in a weird place where I didn't know exactly what I wanted the Instagram to to be mm-hmm. like because obviously there's the the Instagrammers. It's I'm not gonna be posting everything I would post on LinkedIn or Twitter. It has to be like picture kind of mm-hmm. based. So I'm starting to ramp that up a little bit. Um with a lot of life in the fast chain stuff and also with just pictures of kind of company culture and things we do around the office. So we have Instagram, which is the same as the Twitter handle, which is inside underscore R3. Uh, we have Twitter, which I post on the most. Um, we have LinkedIn. We have a Facebook. I pretty much just don't want to close off the Facebook audience, but we don't get much traction on Facebook. Mm -hmm. So I pretty much just take what I post on LinkedIn and put it on Facebook. And the people who are on Facebook that do engage with um, our stuff is awesome. It's just a smaller, smaller group of people. Um, And then we also I'm talking on like main R3 accounts. We also have a Corda based uh, Twitter, which is more like community um, developer focused. I have access to it, but I'm not the main poster mm-hmm. on it um, because I don't think I don't <laughs> I don't think it makes sense to have me like tweeting uh, dev focused things. But it's more like about the community and open source projects and and all that. So that is the social we have. I'm trying to think if I'm for oh we have Medium. So for blog posts. Um, we have a Corda medium. So again, more technical blogs and then an R3 medium. Um, and then we additionally have Vimeo and YouTube for, for videos. Very cool. And those are under the R3 account. Sounds very well-rounded. <laughs> <laughs> try, it, it, we try to make it well-rounded. I hope it looks that way. The, the funny thing <laughs> is like I, I almost never get engagement on Facebook anymore. I feel like no one uses it. Yeah. Like everyone has a Facebook, but no one – uses it no one really posts on it or no or no one engages with it everyone's on instagram or they're on twitter like i don't see anyone anywhere else it's interesting no i totally agree with you and um i mean to be honest the reason i used to use facebook 
essentially to hold on to my photos so that I would have them in like on something. Uh, and then I just stopped using it all together other than like, I'll check it sometimes if I think I'm like missing a friend's birthday or if there's like a, an event nearby, I have used, used it because people still, I found in New York specifically, I guess, and maybe it's just my friends, but people will just send a Facebook invite for events. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I'm, I'm personally rarely on it, but I do post to it for, um, our three account stuff. Twitter, Twitter's like the place to be. It's like where all the cool kids are now. Cause everyone wants to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I know, I know. And it's such a good way to get your own voice kind of out there. Um, from an R3 perspective, we're obviously, um, posting about R3, the community Corda, uh, enterprise and to open source at some points um but for my personal twitter it's i have literally like no followers but it's kind of a fun way to engage with people in the community um who want to follow you bread and rudder correct <laughs> yes it's <laughs> at bread and rudder i actually at one point when i was creating it i really wanted to somehow incorporate uh butter in some way and then I made it like I made it rudderfly like as a joke and then it seemed a little too like fairy kind of frou-frou and I was like well I love bread there's a lot you could do with your last name like what are you waiting for um oh my gosh that's so good (laughs) oh I like that except that would be kind of hard to to uh like if I spelled it out, I feel like people would be That's like, "What?" You'd have to say it out loud. Too long for like a, a username. It'd be good for a bio though. Like, have you followed me yet? What are you waiting for? Or like, here's my life. Oh, I love. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. My mom's old old email uh, used to be Rudder Chaos. Rudder like Chaos. That's awesome. <laughs> like, That's pretty consistent. <laughs> This, this podcast has been awesome so far. It's going to be really good when it's edited. Um, but <laughs> b- before we kind of wrap up and everything, uh, what do you have coming up on the horizon? I know that you're taking off somewhere for September, correct? Uh, yeah. So I'm going to uh, London. I'm going to be working out of our London office from September 19th to October 29th-ish. Um, and I'm there for that long because we are going to Cybos. Uh, the conference is hosted in London this year. I think next year it's going to be in Boston, so it'll be closer. Um, but we have a big booth there. And uh, that is September. I think it starts September 23rd to the 27th. And then our big flagship conference is Corticon. And that is in October. That's October 23rd and the 24th. Um, So since there's not so much time in between them, and there's so much preparation to do for uh, Corticon, we'd kind of figured that a few of my coworkers and I would just stay over in London rather than come back for less than a week and then have to fly back over there. Um, So that's a big, big one, especially from a multimedia standpoint, Mm -hmm. from my perspective, uh, there's going to be so many people at both conferences, especially obviously Corticon. It's, it's the people in our community who are interested in the ARC3 ecosystem and the Corda platform. So there are so many smart people that I hope to be able to try and interview for the podcast, maybe get some some video. Um, so we're I'm creating a multimedia plan for that right now. And that's that's been a big lift, but it's going to be so, so great. And 
exhausting, but it'll be, it'll be good. That's my main thing I'm working on uh, in the future. Very cool. Sounds like it'll be a blast for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Come on over. <laughs> well, I, I probably won't make it for September, but probably could do something in November if you want to do a follow-up episode for sure. Hey, yeah. If you're in New York, I will be in New York for November. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Catherine, thank you for coming on and taking the time out of your wide open day. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. This is so fun. I'm never the guest, so I definitely, definitely rambled, but that was very fun. Yeah, it's fun to mix it up every once in a while. Oh, yeah. And then next time we can do just like a collab, collab episode. Maybe we interview people together. I don't know. Whoa, whoa. That sounds cool. Whoa. (laughs) That's a big step. (laughs) (laughs) Big step. Um, No, that'd be kind of cool too. Yeah, definitely. Yay. Everyone listen to Life in the Fast Chain. Definitely. Go listen to Life in the Fast Chain. Catherine's awesome. She has the same amount of energy, I promise, on that podcast. And she has great guests. I listen to it in the car. It's fantastic. Again, thank you for coming on. It was awesome having you. And I'll I'll follow up with an email for sure. Yay, you're the best. All right, Catherine. I'll see you later. Thank you.